we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. And our lawyers have advised us to state unequivocally, we accept no responsibility for any harm, psychic, physical, uh, existential, or religious that may occur should you try the techniques and technologies presented herein. Um, And I'm not sure what they're referring to, but they just told me to say that. Uh, This is what we pay our lawyers $500 an hour for? I guess so, to be wet blankets. Okay. Well, you know, maybe we'll be glad that we issued that disclaimer. It might be needed. It might be. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Yeah. Ooh. Especially I'm, I'm seeing this... into the future and I think, <laughs> I think especially so. this week. Okay. This is a weird one. All right. Yeah. yeah, I feel weird. I feel wavy. You ever yeah. like sometimes when my hands get wet or like I'm drinking water, it makes me feel like I'm underwater. That's I mean a small part of you is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how last week I kept thinking about rectangles. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. week I'm thinking about about wetness. Interesting. Thinking about how wet the inside of my mouth is. Anyway. Weird. Okay. What are we talking about today? We are, well, we are on to part three yes. of the story of America's Psychic Spies. Story of Project Stargate, as it is colloquially known by. Yeah, we're closing up the sandwich. We're closing up the sandwich. We're closing up. Although, here's the thing. This... Researching this topic and getting into this, this has been another one of those akin to when I looked at the Count of St. Germain. Yeah. It sent me in a direction, a mm-hmm. place. I'm, it's just like a puzzle this, box that keeps opening up into more compartments. The same thing's happening yeah. right now. So this is the end of this story, but yes. But this is, yeah, this is the other piece of bread on the sandwich. Although it's the, it's the moldy bread, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That last slice in the bag. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I always throw it away. I don't like it. It's this episode is either very fun or deeply uncomfortable, depending on your persuasion and how this recording shakes out. We last left off. The original team at SRI was kind of breaking apart mm-hmm. and there was m- more of the military involved in psychic spying. CIA, not part of the military. They're technically civilians, funnily enough. Technically. Technically. Yeah. But the we looked at the Fort Meade program. We looked at Joe McMonagall. And uh, it's been two weeks since we recorded because I've been nursing a dog back to health from the brink of death. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a, a couple of weeks. Oh, it's been a lot. That's a whole other story. So now primarily, whereas SRI is still doing research, Russell Targ's not there anymore. Ingo Swan is like contracting with the military also, uh, teaching his remote viewing methods, his techniques, his protocols and shit, right? And so the military now has a bit more control, military intelligence, DIA, INSCOM and shit. And with that in mind, it might surprise you to learn that this is far and away the silliest period of the whole saga. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. It gets really, really silly. Excellent. Yes. We have a few returning characters. Ingo Swan is still Jedi master. Kit Green is still the coolest spook. Skip Atwater is still a goober, and Joe McMonagall is still a psychic super soldier. And we name-dropped a few people last episode that deserve a bit more character examination. 
Mm. Should we do our tarot card before this? Yes. All right. Yes, we should. What do we got? Nine of Cups. Third time. Third episodes that, that's come up. Mm. The Nine of Cups. Yeah. Dreams, manifestation, wish fulfillment. Yeah. Uh, the end of a cycle. The end of the almost end of a cycle. The it, it really is the power of the imagination is the nine of cups. Mm-hmm. That is that is interesting. There's a man seated on a stool. He's wearing a long, luxurious blue robe and a playful red cap. And his arms are crossed and he looks very delighted with himself. His posture is very open yeah. and inviting. It's Jupiter and Pisces, I believe. Nine right. And ab- above him is this semicircle sort of stage that has a blue covering on it like a blue tablecloth yeah and then nine cups nine cups and this like semicircular table behind him is way above his head yeah like (laughs) one way of interpreting it is like those nine cups are full of fucking wine or were full of wine and he's drank himself under the table and has a he's literally under the table literally under the table and he has a very inflated opinion of his perception of reality is very different yeah he's, right he's living his best life he looks very pleased with himself he's that's very, what i'll he's say quite pleased with himself all right yeah. nine of cups <laughs> the rest the other people around might not be pleased with them <laughs> yeah those are their cups that he stole from them yeah now they don't have any wine <laughs> <laughs> so nine of cups that's that's a cool card for this that's a good one yeah hell yeah all right so all right, so for some intro music this week, I took one of my songs that I never got around to writing lyrics for, and, you know, I just dropped some Bob Monroe on it. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to let it play for longer than we normally do, because I like how it turned out. Here we go. The sound of ocean surf, a wave, a natural sound most people find pleasing and relaxing. It is a sound of natural energy. Natural energy always present when the ocean meets the shore. The sound of waves of energy in action. You are going to learn to use waves of your own natural energy. For example, is beating to create pulsations or waves of blood flow throughout your body. You breathe air in and out of your lungs. A slow vibration of energy at work. Of energy at work. 
sound of waves of energy in action. A slow vibration of energy at work. The sound of waves of energy in action. A slow vibration of energy at work. And that brings us to the point where we are right now. A slow vibration of energy at work. All of these and many, many more are natural energy vibrations. So, we have a few returning characters, right? Ingo Swan, still Jedi Master. Kit Green, still the coolest spook. Skip Atwater, still a goober, but he's a good guy. Uh, and Joe McMonagall is still a psychic super soldier. We name-dropped a few people last episode that deserve a bit more character examination. Uh, first, we have Major General Albert Stubbledine. Or Stubbledine. I like Stubbledine better. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds uh, better. Yeah. Stubbledine is the man in charge of INSCOM, which is the U.S. Army Intelligence and Security Command. INSCOM. And by extension, uh, the remote viewing program, which was Grill Flame and then Center Gondola Wish, then Grill Flame. Yeah. So Stubbledine's an yeah. army guy. Yes. Stubbledine is in charge of U.S. Army Intelligence and Security Command. Yep. And he loves this remote viewing shit. Yeah, how yeah. could you not? He uh, Stubbledine is known for not only being intensely intelligent and creative, he was also known for being exceptionally good at lateral thinking. Mm. Thinking around problems and shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, never a religious man, he did form a deep interest in the paranormal after a stint at Fort Huacha in Arizona. And along with our next character, he threw spoon-bending parties for military brass and made no secret of his interest in the spooky. Next, Dale Graff. Air Force Intelligence. He set up the group of remote viewers at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base that helped with the um, the plane that went down in, in uh, Africa that we talked about last week. Uh-huh. The unofficial group of remote viewers. Yep. Uh, now he was part of this whole milieu, right? Yeah. Uh, Graf is another one of our UFO remote viewing crossover boys. Uh-huh. Another bird boy. Uh, winner of a 19... Uh-huh. Yeah. Winner of a 1980 fellowship for being a, and quote, exceptional analyst. Graf planned to take two years to spend time at labs where psychokinesis and microwave weapons were being developed. But when the rest of, you know, when his bosses heard like what he was wanted to take that sabbatical, that grant do what he wanted to do with that grant. Yeah. They took the grant away from him. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How could they? <laughs> the dickheads. Fuck. Um, and Dale Graf became the head of the operational arm of the remote viewing program from 1983 until 1993 when it dissolves slash goes underground. Now he writes books on psi and he tours the so-called new age circuit and lectures on psi phenomena and especially dreams. A lot of these guys end up just doing the new age circuit afterwards. It's mm. fun. <laughs> you know, it's like a fun and easy place to go. You know, just... Tour the secret space conference, go to this or that. Yeah. Yeah. Contact in the desert. They'll pay you. Yeah. They'll pay you good money. Yeah. And the people want to hear it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No. Next up, Colonel John Alexander, PhD in thanatology, aka death studies. Sweet. Yeah. That's that's pretty hardcore. This dude shows up in a lot of conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Also another bird boy. Yeah. An expert in non-lethal weapons. Like crowd control shit, microwave cannons, sound yeah. cannons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot darker than it sounds. Honestly. No, I was going to say, like, that's creepier yeah. than yeah, yeah, a yeah. weapon to just, like, you know, I mean, maybe not. But from my perspective, to want to maim someone rather than kill them. Yeah. But, like, 
you know, yeah, preserve how, their life, but maim them. That's make, profoundly but cruel. make them stop. Yeah. Whatever they're doing, make them fucking stop that, but not kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it's crueler than, than shit, but like, you know, maybe you're not, you don't get maimed. Yeah. You're not maiming them. Like I bet the microwave can probably causes cancer, but like imagine if it doesn't. It feels more know. insidious because it's something that, um, leaves room open for people to doubt whether or not it's being used actively. Yeah. And it's also just a weird thing to be interested in. Yeah. I think that's the part that creeps me out. Just like, yeah. also thanatology, death studies. What are you doing, bud? What the fuck are you doing? This guy's code name was Penguin. Hmm. <laughs> Batman villain. Yeah, I know. Um, and in stark contrast to many other military personnel involved with the weirder side of things, John Alexander never worried for a moment about the impact the weird would have on his career. He saw it as the opposite, that him being the colonel who em- embraced the paranormal was his career. He was that guy. He fully embraced that role. He was uh, deeply interested in the writings of Lieutenant Colonel Jim Channon, founder of the First Earth Battalion, a.k.a. the Men Who Stare at Goats, which is an entirely different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole New Age super soldiers, a.k.a. an episode in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, now, John Alexander is simply a UFO researcher. Uh, he's rumored to be involved in sorcery, the horror, along with his goth wife, a fellow UFO researcher. Mm-hmm. He's cool. living his best life. I mean, fuck yeah. These guys here, they're the leadership of this shit show. The remote viewing program at this time. Mm-hmm. They're the guys. And there's also the secretive ass Jack Verona. Don't really know that much about that dude. Yeah, it's a weird group of guys that are like the top brass. And I only mentioned those because, you know, they're kind of important for later on, like another episode. Like they're important characters to keep in your head. Mm-hmm. These guys. Yeah. So now it's the beginning of the Reagan administration. Woohoo! Yay! But during the Reagan administration, these guys weren't alone. There were lots and lots of New Age military brass and politicians. It was kind of a thing, enough to protect, enough to protect the remote viewing program from the giggle factor and the skeptical inquisition. Like it protected them for a time, at least, right? Uh, Senator Claiborne Pell, a Rhode Island feller. Uh, was famously in deep with the weird. His ass had a secretary on payroll whose job it was to collect paranormal news and brief him about it. Pell consulted mediums trying to contact the ghosts of dead Soviet leaders to have them, the ghosts, communicate pleas for peace to the living Soviet leaders. Oh my God, how do I get this a job like that? I could do that. Being a senator? Or being the senator's paranormal. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, being yeah. the one who relays the channeled ghost messages, I mean, you know. I'm from Rhode Island, so I, pr- I probably know a guy. Yeah. You know. Right? She just, just got to know a guy. What a sweet fucking gig. Yeah. That would be amazing. Well, Representative Charlie Rose of Georgia was another one of these guys. He once stood in the back of the gallery of the House of Representatives uh, with a group of psychics trying to telepathically manipulate House Speaker Tom O'Neill. like he's in the back of that in the back of the fucking audience chamber with a group of psychics is how it's written yeah Yeah. (laughs) like staring at the house speaker i feel like i've done that at concerts where like you know you know you're just like staring at fka twigs or whoever and you're just like look at me have a moment with me yeah i'm begging you to look at me right now are you receiving my message that's fine yeah you're not a lawmaker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, also, 
Dude, it's well known that the Reagans were super into astrology. Uncle Ronnie was rumored to schedule everything based on on astrology. Mm-hmm. You know that? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did know that. He like, it got found out and shit. So instead of stopping it, like Uncle Ronnie just like made it more secret. He kept like, uh. a, like a, a, a secret schedule and shit. But yeah, the Reagans were kind of the fucking devil. But there's no one can deny that Ronald Reagan was successful. Mm-hmm. Quite quite successful in he certainly made a name for himself yeah Mm -hmm. but point is in the 1980s things was fucking spooky Hmm. much more much spookier than i think people realize yeah yeah oh yeah which you know the general climate combined with the inevitable leaks and rumors of the psychic spying program led to others in the military intelligence world turning to psychic intelligence, which meant they just started going to psychics. (laughs) It's so crazy. It just might work. Like the kooky fucker down the road. Yeah. Down the road a piece with the tiny storefront and cheap neon sign. Right. The more cats she has, the more accurate her readings are. Yeah. No, this is literally the guys that a lot of these dudes were going to. They're like, oh, it's like, apparently the psychic stuff works. Like, And there there was one guy, they brought him on, a freelance psychic. They brought him on to help recover a uh, like a, a kidnapped diplomat in Libya. Which is, it's like a way more of a big deal than I can make it sound from memory. This fucking guy, they brought him to like Italy and he was just like demanding expensive food and a better room and all this shit and just like just being exactly what you would expect Mm -hmm. that dude to be yeah so when like joe mcmonagle was giving remote viewing reports and shit you know about oh i you know i saw a big nuclear submarine that no one's ever seen anything this big like something important and dude has a track record when he was given those reports the recipients were also like getting nonsense from like Newport Beach palm readers and shit. So the signal to noise curve <laughs> had inverted, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's a really important thing to understand. Like once this shit starts coming out, which from our first tarot card was the uh, four of discs power. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the CIA fucking knew that, you know, you keep this shit locked up because as soon as it starts leaking out, it's just going to pollute the right. create more noise and shit. I mean, that's exactly what it did. And and like even within the psychic spying program, the OGs were none too impressed with the new blood and they feared for the future of the project. Right. Joe McMonagle's retired. Pat Price long dead. You know, Ingo Swan's Jedi Master. He's not doing remote viewing for their targets and shit. Mm-hmm. And the new guys just kind of aren't as good. Regardless. Under Albert Stubbledean's command in 1983, the, the remote viewing program was turned into a formal detachment and got a new code name to boot. Center Lane. Uh, Scotty. Ah, yes. Better than Grill Flame. Yeah. Scotty Watt was replaced with Lieutenant Colonel Brian Busby. It's a fun name. It is. Neither of those guys are consequential at all, but it's a fun name, Brian Busby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Busby? Come on. Yeah. Like <laughs> B-U-S-B-Y. Busby. Ah. Uh. Yeah. It would be funny if it was Busby. Yeah, it would be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so the program was changing, but like what it was changing into was anything but clear. Ingo Swan was now like also working directly for the military with the goal of formalizing remote viewing training program. 
he was going to teach one last group of remote viewers his standardized practice, and they would in turn be capable of teaching more remote viewers. Thus, the program would no longer be dependent on any one person who, by fate or personality, could fuck it up. Mm. Enter Ed Dames. That's not fair. He doesn't... It's not his fault at all. He's fine, but it's just funny. <sighs> I've been trying to figure out how to succinctly describe this goober, Ed Dames, but I think... <sighs> I, I think this does it better than I could ever do with my words. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sequoia, you didn't warn me that we'd be going to the danger zone. We're going to the danger zone. Yeah. I didn't bring my passport. You don't need passports to go <laughs> to the danger zone. Yeah. Your passport's in your soul. <laughs> yeah. Ah, this fucking guy, dude. (laughs) So Jim Schnavel describes Ed Dames as being 35 when he joined the remote viewing unit, but seeming at least a decade younger. Just a funny way to describe someone. Mm. Five foot, five inches tall. Aw. (laughs) He was a surfer bro from San Diego. Wow. Yeah. The picture forming in my mind. Blonde hair, straight, like blonde, long Mm. hair, that guy. Ed Dame says he spent his childhood uh, burning woods down, vandalizing graveyards, any number of things just for fun. If it hadn't been for corporal punishment, I'd be in a penitentiary by now. Delightful. (laughs) Delightful. So he just likes to fuck shit up. (laughs) (laughs) He fucking, he, um. uh, Ride the waves. Yeah, so he he was stationed, he was a great analyst, apparently. He was stationed in Taiwan in the in the 70s and at the tail end of vietnam right after and he uh fell in love with a taiwanese woman and just divorced his wife who was back home his high school sweetheart married the taiwanese woman here's the thing you can't marry a foreign national and be an intelligence analyst why not because that's just you can't do that yeah yeah you can't you can't fucking do that that forbidden love is so tempting though so Ed quit the military. Oh. I don't think the, the marriage didn't last. Well. Like at all. And then Ed Dames got bored and rejoined the military. He's just riding the. And ended up. Yeah. <laughs> at Fort Meade. He's just riding the danger waves. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's all fine. I'm down. You know, it's just. It's a chaotic way to get there. It's a chaotic way to get there. He was also obsessed with UFOs, Bigfoot, etc. All of it. Mm. So when he heard about the remote viewing unit, he just started showing up to visit. He didn't get brought into there. He just got sent to Fort no. Meade. He was like, I'm going to be a part of this. Oh, yeah. Whether you want it, you want me or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he started sending them intelligence targets and he took their results seriously, which is great. You know, all good so far, it's especially with like the signal to noise ratio we talked about earlier. Well, here's a guy who's actually taking our shit seriously and giving us targets. Hell yeah. Well. Now, in 1983, they had the budget to train four officers under Ingo Swan. You know, these would be the four who would pass on Ingo Swan's, you know, lineage of remote viewing magic, basically. Mm-hmm. After this, Ingo Swan wasn't going to teach anyone else for the military. This was it. And this is like literally a formalized mystery school process. 
it is like literally the same thing as like you know the lineage from like Crowley or whatever that mm-hmm. all these people argue about incessantly. It's literally like this is literally just magic, just the military and without the philosophy and without the wisdom, right? And Ed Dames convinced Skip Atwater and Brian Busby to let him be trainee number four. Ed Dames could just see the grand faded adventure stretching out before him. He knew he would be Ingo's star pupil. He knew that he was the guy, the one to carry on the torch, like the hero he knew in his heart he always had been. Yes. From everyone else's perspective, Ed was just a guy. (laughs) And he wasn't even going to be a remote viewer. He was going to do the training, sure, but he he was only supposed to be an analyst and a monitor. But they figured, hey, it can't hurt to have, you know, their analyst trained too. Yeah, sure. Why not? Literally no one else thinks that Ed Dames is ever going to do any remote viewing for anybody. Mm-hmm. But off Ed goes on his hero's journey. <laughs> he thinks he will. He knows he is. The first bump in the road, the first trial he had to face was when he met his other pupils. One of them, get this, was a woman. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Ed thought that was bullshit. like had he ever seen one before or did this he was married at least twice oh but this was the military and what was worse she was a civilian oh whatever he can live with that he can live with that we know it's psychic shit's weird anyway so what's what's a little weirdness Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah the first thing ingo's pupils had to do was to take a voyage to a strange and bizarre place in the blue ridge mountains of virginia The Monroe Institute. Like, as soon as you said that, my brain did a really cool thing where, like, a camera zoomed in on Ingo Swan's eyeball and we went into the blackness of his pupil, like, right into... Hell yeah. (laughs) I don't know if Ingo spent much time at the Monroe Institute. Yeah, but these were his pupils. Yes. So, Oh, Ingo's pupils. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling in tank. Hell yeah. Nice. So... You know, the Monroe Institute is the shit that is in that document that gets passed around that everyone fucking knows about. Mm-hmm. The this CIA's astral projection shit. Once a year, usually around April or May, it comes back into the public consciousness. I don't know why. It's always this time of year. Yeah. And there's a lot of weird shit in that uh, in that doc. And I don't know if, like, the full story is weirder or makes more sense. I don't know. Monroe Institute's fucking strange, though. Really, really strange and almost strange in how normal it is. Like, yeah, it's like a legit institute. Yeah. And they're doing legit research and shit. And uh, the Monroe Institute's involvement with Stargate comes hilariously enough from Skip Atwater's mom. Oh, yeah. And he's the he's the head of the he's the guy running like directly in Fort Meade running that remote viewing program yeah we heard about him last yeah 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 Yeah, skip's mom she heard about her son's work and like any good mama wanted to help her boy out oh so she referred him to the monroe institute let me know what i can do well mom you can undergo the hemispheric sync program the hemis hemis sync yeah yeah no no she's i guess she just like i don't know how she found out about the monroe it's just such a weird thing because like my mom will try to do that she hears about you know something i'm working on all you know heard Mm-hmm. But I can help you out. Your moms do that. Yeah, send you a this link is, or two to this, something. This is that... a fucking special access program. In the yeah. <laughs> That's a ridiculous shit. Sent of the Monroe Institute. Yeah, and we talked about Bob Monroe and the Monroe Institute in a very early episode covering that document I spoke about earlier. 
Uh, I hate referring people to episodes that old. We've come pretty far in all aspects, but we also can't get too deep into the history here. Because there's a lot. Bob Monroe, he has a whole life. He does. He's a whole guy, you know? Yep. Uh, he, he was a successful radio producer in the 1950s. And around 1958, he had an out-of-body experience which changed his life forever. He came to suspect that sound could induce altered magical states and invented what he called hemisync technology, a.k.a. binaural beats. He invented that shit, binaural beats, which is when you play two tones, one in each ear, the difference between the frequencies creates a third phantom tone that, you know, is supposed to synchronize your brain waves to that frequency. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Monroe invented that. That's the Monroe Institute shit. And he founded this place, the Monroe Institute, where using binaural beats and hypnosis techniques, the Institute hosted multi-day retreats where students would lay in bed all day listening to these audio recordings and learning yes. how to astral project. Oh my God. That's basically what I do anyway. Jesus Christ. So just don't stop saying shit like that. I have been goddamn 7 a.m. to fucking midnight every day of my <laughs> fucking life for so long. Yeah. Oh, I want to go to the Monroe Institute. Just <laughs> lay tired. in bed all day. I'm so tired. Like, wouldn't that be the dream, though? Yeah, I might go. Fuck it. Yeah. And this was known as the Gateway, Gateway Voyage Program. And here's the, like... Through all these tapes, I've done a couple, three of the six CDs. There's this like creed pledge that Bob Monroe has you say. He repeats, he says it in the first tape, but then you're supposed to remember it and just say it in your head yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. But let's listen to, let's listen to Bob say this creed just to to get a sense. Yes, please. U.S. military is sending their guys. Say in your mind... Say to yourself, I am more than my physical body because I am more than physical matter. I deeply desire to expand, to experience, to know, to understand, to control, to use such greater energies and energy systems as may be beneficial and constructive to me and to those near and close to me. Well, that felt cool. Dude, the fucking gateway tapes will send you to some weird places. Yeah. It's some, it's some shit. Yeah, like uh, I uh, honestly, it's it's some shit. You know, even if it's just like the most fucked up guided meditation that anyone's ever produced, like it doesn't matter. Right. It's it's some shit. Sound design is fucking incredible, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's, and that whew, from an audio nerd perspective, the gateway tapes are fucking wild. So Skip Atwater first visited the institute in 1977, and he shared with Bob Monroe his own out of body experiences, which Skip had had off and on from. As a kid. Uh, So Bob brought Skip Atwater into the lab and had him put on the headphones and lie down. And soon Skip Atwater was, he found himself floating inches above his own body. He kind of freaked the fuck out. Right. Now, this is probably a a dumb question. Sure. Um, Was, was he ever diagnosed with any form of like epilepsy? Nope. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Or like migraines or anything. 
No. Okay. And they do make mention of other people. There, there was one guy. There's one guy who we'll get to in a little bit. I see who I, did have an underlying medical condition. They didn't right. know about. I don't think that an underlying medical condition like discounts. Sure. Um, someone having like a legitimate sort of mystical right out of body experience sure, sure, sure. i think that it's just one way of getting there sure like yeah. sort of like uh the machine is accidentally pressing the button to do that when you don't want to right yeah, yeah yeah like no i agree i agree with you there right i there was nothing in any of my research that suggested that skip atwater yeah. had any i wonder if they did like an mri if it would almost look like how a focal seizure looks like do they did do a lot of that shit at the monroe institute mm-hmm. they did do a lot of mri like measuring and like tests and like data collection too it wasn't just like yeah summer camp you know totally and i would i would be curious like if there's yeah. overlapping data between that yeah definitely so that's something to look into because someone definitely has looked at that before yeah mm. yeah so skip atwater is floating there above his own body and you're like what the fuck is this because it's like pretty instantaneous it's mm-hmm. like he's listening to this shit he starts to feel oh i actually you know the the body vibration thing before an out-of-body experience that they talk yeah, about where you shake like crazy dude that happened to me for the first time in my life two nights ago oh and what wasn't it i didn't nothing happened like i don't i sort of fell back to sleep but like like this like weird shaking it was a fucking strange yeah it's like your body's rumbling yeah like your chest is feels like it's bouncing around even but it though- was like slow slower than yeah. i expected it wasn't like a buzz maybe yeah, it was just maybe there was an earthquake or something. Maybe, but like somewhat like almost like a dryer, like a washing machine frequency vibration. Right, it almost feels like you're submerged in static. Ah, that was, this wasn't that. No. Yeah. Huh. Maybe something other else weird just fucking happened to me. I don't know. Huh. Strange. I don't yeah. know what happened to me either. <laughs> it just felt weird things. It's CIA microwave guns. I was trying to astral project and I got to that point. <laughs> I got to the shaking, like vibrating, like feels like you're separating and the room is filled with like a st- staticky weirdness, like you're shifting in frequency or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, no, it was too much for me. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Skip out water thing. He thought it was pretty fucking sick. Yeah. He fucking loved it. He, he he loved the shit out of it. If you could just exit your body at whim, yeah. can you imagine? They've probably got nice pillows there too. Yeah. Spared no expense, you know. Soon Atwater and others became regular visitors to the Monroe Institute. And by others, I mean Joe McMonagle, Albert Stubbledean, and John Alexander, to name a few. Like It's like their version of going to the spa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they were wicked into it, all of them. And like soon they started sharing the hemi-sync tapes, the gateway tapes with others at INSCOM and Grillflame to help them cool down before RV sessions or to cure insomnia or jet lag. Like it's literally like they're passing around drugs. Yeah. But it's the gateway I was going to say it's a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But that also means like other people are going to see that shit. Yeah. Like, you know, and they're not going to have the whole experience of meeting Bob Monroe mm-hmm. and like the whole convincing experience. They're yes. going to be like, the fuck is this? <laughs> you know? But at the Institute, the Gateway Voyage guided courses, uh, here's here's how it went down. Attendees would lay in small, dark cubicles for several hours a day for like five days straight. They're like monks. Yeah. Yeah. Except with weird sound design being pumped into their heads. That can absolutely do. I mean, 
even just the fact that binaural beats do create a phantom frequency, mm-hmm. that's audio waves doing shit to your head, doing yeah. shit to your brain. Like, regardless of whatever you think about the reality of remote viewing or whatever, you can't deny that audio can do weird shit to your head. Mm-hmm. You're doing this for five days straight, for several hours a day, listening to fucking Bob Monroe's mellifluous voice in your ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would go deep into the labyrinths of their own mind. Like I said, I've gone through a bunch of the gateway tapes and uh, it's not nothing. It's what we in the business call some shit. Mm. Capital S. Yes. Italics, really. Yeah. And that's how I wrote it. Some shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Stubbledean was so into this shit. He started just sending dozens of INSCOM officers there, not even the ones who were part of Center Lane. Yeah. Right? Just like, you got to go check this out. Yeah, because he was in charge of a lot of people, like not just the remote viewers. He was in charge of quite a bit. Mm -hmm. He was just sending all these INSCOM officers there. And now let me read a passage from the book Remote Viewers describing this experience, the full gateway voyage experience. For a typical visitor to Monroe, lying naked in his or her cubicle, the experience began with a prelude sequence featuring gently crashing waves. Shh of synthesized noise. Then Bob Monroe's voice drifted in through the headphones, guiding the visitor through various exercises, preparatory visualizations, and subtly, behind everything, there were the hemisync tones. The visitor now began to drift through the strange upside-down subterrain mapped by Bob Monroe, through gentle Focus 10, where his arms and legs and torso stilled and slept, through higher-pitched narcotic Focus 12, through portentous Focus 15, where the sense of time was left behind. Then up and up, the tones rising madly, through multicolored cloud layers, through the cloud tops, incredible, tingling muscles, tensing, temporal lobes seizing, manic, orgasmic, hallucinogenic, focus 21, an alternate reality, indescribable, and then gently back down again, through the clouds, the hemisync tones singing quietly, beneath the evocatively synthesized surf, beneath Bob Monroe's hypnotic voice. Fucking A. I think I'm going to finish that fucking program, dog. Yeah. I never got to focus 15 to 21. Holy um, shit. <laughs> it sounds like 15 is where it gets really crazy. I didn't get there. Yep. I think we have to. I think we have to. I think we have to. I, I have them all. Yeah. I have them all. We're going to do that. Yes. <laughs> they were effectively allowed only a couple hours of sleep per night. Oh, not allowed, but like because of how much shit they were doing and you still got to eat and stuff and how much. Yeah. Not sleep. Only sleeping mm-hmm. that much will definitely help you access uh, yeah. some weird parts of your mind. Yeah. And there were after effects, too. Mm-hmm. The after effects of the Gateway program are pretty interesting. It's described as being like a pleasantly mild dose of LSD, which sounds pretty all right. Yeah. And that's how they describe it. Like, you feel like you're glowing, like that light on your feet, colors are brighter. You're seeing more detail on things. It sounds like a threshold dose of LSD. Sounds awfully pleasant. Sounds fucking great. And even just regular ass remote viewing had those after effects as well. Uh, Like every character in the story talks about it. And like we we already mentioned the psychic burnout thing. And like it does sound like a drug in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what if you turned that shit up to 21? (laughs) You know? Right. Shit can get weird. But pretty much everyone who went to the Monroe Institute thought that it was rather groovy. These are military guys. They thought Bob Monroe was cool, too. He didn't give new age airhead vibes. No, he right? doesn't. He doesn't at all. He's a fucking radio man in a 
airplane enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, Schnabel wrote that he had a worldly gravity and it helped that he was also conducting real experiments with real data and like measurements and shit. The only evidence of his shamanic journeying were the deep permanent dark circles under his eyes, yeah. which is fucking, it's just, that's an image, man. I don't yeah. know. Like I had trouble describing, but like, I can just, see, I can see the burnout. Right. Like I can see something getting fried, you know? But yeah, the whole Monroe Institute side of this, uh, the way it's, what it seems like is like all the characters we've talked about, you know, this whole series, they were just, they just started hanging out there all the time. It became like their place. Yeah. Well, remember they said that they started having trouble relating to other people too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's like, okay, let's just get everybody involved in this and we can hang out here and everybody knows about the other dimensions and stuff mm-hmm. and we can all just be groovy over We can here. talk freely about it. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. We're, we don't have to feel so weird about it and like we're the odd one out who knows right. the secret. And also Fort Meade's in Maryland. Yeah. SRI is in California. Mm-hmm. Monroe Institute's in Virginia. Yeah. We can just fucking drive there and like do some experiments, have some fun. Good old psychic fun times at Bob's house. <laughs> Joe McMonagle was the subject of semi-regular experimentation and training. They taught Joe how to have an OBE at will, an out-of-body experience at will. And weirdly, with no cause found, Bob Monroe observed that when he hooked Joe up to electrodes at his head and his feet to measure his like electrical charge, an out-of-body experience would cause the voltage between head between Joe's head and toes to reverse. Huh. Yeah. Don't know why. They didn't know why, but they kept seeing it. That's interesting. Yeah. And the trainees heard other wilder stories than that. Apparently, Monroe had uh, given Joe McMonagall a target to remote view, and Joe described an, in quote, evolution-promoting energy being who had somehow come to Earth many, many years ago. Described that, and then he opened the envelope to see what target Bob Monroe had given him. Mm Mm-hmm. It's fucking Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Does that mean that Jesus is an energy being? Or does that just mean that that's what Joe McMonagall subconsciously thought about Jesus? Yeah. That's my bet. You know how I feel about Jesus. I'm not not letting fucking bullneck Joe McMonagall and goddamn spooky Bob Monroe prove no Jesus shit to me. Yeah. Get out of here with that. I'm not here for it. But that's fucking weird. Another energy being by the name of Miranon. Seemed to possess Bob Monroe one day in the early 80s to speak through him. And then it just did that regularly. Oh. Yeah. Bob gave the entity the lake on the property (laughs) and named it Lake Miranon. Yeah. What a weird way to say it, right? Yeah. That's how they say it. Bob gave the lake to this thing, Lake Miranon. That's where it lived, I guess. (laughs) Fucking strange. Like so much of the stories about the Monroe Institute, the way they write about, I'm just like, why are you using those words? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it words it like it's something that's really normal, yeah. like as if it doesn't warrant any further yeah. explanation. I mean, there is further explanation that had to cut, a, you know, a lot. Right. Of, but, but but explanation that includes like a parenthesis that says, yeah, I know this shit's crazy. Right. Yeah. Like it's missing that you, you're like, wait, what? Whoa. Yeah. That, that's just how but that's just how it was it there. Yeah. You know, that's um, why it's stated so plainly. There was Bob Monroe, apparently, when he was in trance one day, there was a, a KGB agent who made who appeared in the astral plane where Bob Monroe was uh, hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
the story is that Bob perceived that this lady, this KGB lady, was trying to spy on the military psychics. Yeah. But like the, she just kept landing at the Monroe Institute. <laughs> like it was like a fucking lighthouse or something. Right. And now Ed Dames says that he, uh, you know, one of his uh, speaking gigs much later on, he actually met a KGB agent who confirmed they knew someone who just kept landing at this weird spot in West Virginia or in Virginia. Mm-hmm. I don't believe him for a goddamn second. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That you're just going to meet a KGB agent on your new age speaking tour in the fucking 90s. May, I mean, like, maybe. One might attend. Ah, fine. I'm not giving it to you, Ed, but I'm not not giving it to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one might attend, but what what are the odds of him knowing that? And them talking. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Well, they would be the ones interested in I mean, this they year. might talk, but then how would how would you know the other, how would. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's fishy. It's fishy. I got problems with it. Yeah, it's stinky. Now, while all this was going on, our boy Kit Green. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I mentioned this in episode one, which is, I believe, the last time we talked about Kit. Oh, I think I fucked up and said he was like a medical doctor. I thought he was a doctor of neurophysiology. Mm-hmm. He's a brain doctor. Yeah. That's what he specializes in. Like the physical mechanics makes of sense. the brain. Yeah. Kit Green was not a fan of all the astral projection stuff these guys were doing. Oh, really? Yeah. He could see no reason why the army should have anything to do with the Monroe Institute. And all sorts of reasons why they shouldn't. Yeah. See, astral projection scared the living shit out of Kit Green. Ah. Due to his own out-of-body experience he had using techniques from Bob Monroe's book. It's not that he thought that Bob Monroe was a quack. It's that he knew it was real. Yeah. And that scared the fuck out of him. And that is an interesting thing about Kit Green. He has a, from what he says, which, see, you don't, can't trust these fuckers, Right. Yeah. But what he says about UFOs, remote viewing and shit, it, it seems like he is very concerned about the actual, about what's going on in people's brains when this shit happens, including UFO sightings and shit. Right. He describes, he, according to Jacques Vallée, Kit Green thinks of UFOs, the UFO phenomenon as a mind virus, which is hmm. very interesting. I, I'm interested in that interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But let's talk about his... Out of body experience. So Green found himself levitating out of his out of his body and into his room and then walking around his room. And then he realized that his room was populated with all sorts of other beings, monsters, goblins. Oh, shit. A goblin hobbled up to Kit Green and put its nose right in Kit Green's face. Wow. It's too perfect. Yeah, he's in bed with a goblin. He's in bed with a goblin. So Kit panics and he frightfully makes his way back to his body and like didn't know if he could. He's as says, one would. Yeah. I mean, like, so imagine you separate from your body. And you're you're still like in your house, mm-hmm. but it's not you know. There's, there's more there than there things. should be. Yeah, yeah. And you can see them. And I like, dude. It's all goblins on the astral plane. Mm-hmm. Think about fucking Richard Shaver. Yeah. Right. Like Kentucky goblins. Right. Dude, like that's that's fucking weird. 
It is. Also, these guys are in that same part of the world, too. Mm-hmm. Virginia, Maryland, like Appalachia. And you know? also, they're like, if you want to talk about lighthouses, probably each of them is like a lighthouse to these beings, oh, if yeah. they exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's a shame if they're just a bundle of information. Right. Code or something like, yeah, that's where they're going to end up for sure. Mm-hmm. It's all around these people. Yeah, they live like a fucking Christmas tree. Yeah. And I imagine wherever those people go, those beings might follow as well. Yeah, probably. And, and cause a rise in activity in wherever they go. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thought. It is. Something to keep in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Weird. Is there anything particular that made you say that? No. Okay. It's just an interesting, that's an, yeah. that's an interesting idea. If you weird shit starts happening, you know what spooks about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whenever anyone would ask Kit about like, hey, what's up this astral projection shit? He would recommend that they stay the fuck away from out of body experiences. Mm. Did not like it. And like he tried to warn all these guys about it and no one listened because they were having too much fun. Yeah. At the Monroe Institute. One lieutenant named Doug Pemberton lost his fucking mind and ended up naked and babbling incoherently in a psych ward after a hemisync session went a bit too deep. Oh, God. He yeah. had unreported uh, unreported underlying like mental health conditions right. that they found out about later. I imagine um, like the hemisync program is almost like a, a guidebook to AP, to yeah. astral projection, yeah. except like it helps you be able to do it in increments so that you don't totally lose your fucking mind. Yeah. Because I think we're so used to the 4D world with, with our bodies and our meat suits and everything. Yeah, yeah. Once we go into that other world, we're basically babies again. Uh-huh. We don't know what's over there. We don't yeah. know how to function. We don't know how to steer our, our soul or our whatever it is around yeah. in that world. So you got to start small and like build up your skills because you don't know what you're going to encounter there, right? And for our skeptics in the audience, this is true even if it's just deep meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just your mind, that is very true. But yeah, you don't know what you're going to encounter. You don't know what ideas are going to come up. You don't know what things you're going to see, experience. Yeah. yeah. You do got to start slow. Can I have and you your also training wheels know on? If you're not the guy who should be doing it, you know? Right. Back to Albert Stubbledean. He was losing it, too. Yeah. <laughs> he was fucking He should have stayed in the shallow end. He was cracking up, dude. Should have brought his floaties. He had his own like personal psychic he was going to for all sorts of shit. He was a loser. Yeah. It was that guy I talked about in in Italy demanding better food and shit. Oh. It was like Stubbledean's personal that psychic. psychic. Yeah. yeah. And he started going to the Monroe Institute pretty much whenever any other military guy went to the Monroe Institute. Anytime anyone was going, Stubbledean was going wow. to. You loved it too much. Once in a group discussion after a hemisync session, Stubbledean described this wonderful, magical, hyper-significant experience he had in his waking body, walking around the, the grounds, where, yet this, a salamander walked in front of him. Oh, shit. <laughs> There's, there's some cosmic meaning there. Yeah. He thought so. He really thought so. I've had those moments with toads. Yeah, you're not the head of fucking Inscom. Yeah. You can have your toad time. Yeah. It's fine. Again, it's fine to have your toad time. It's fine Sometimes to be a bit crazy. Sometimes you just feel like there's some cosmic significance to an animal. Yeah, definitely. Stubbledean was head of Inscom. He did have a boss. He was at the Monroe Institute. Stubbledean's boss, William Odom, 
was growing extremely concerned about what was going on at Inscom. <laughs> I want to know what he thought was important about the salamander. I don't know. I really don't. I wish I did. But people were starting to refer to Major General Albert Stubbledean as General Spoonbender. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. And there was also this scandal called the Yellow Fruit Scandal that was happening. Like, a bunch of these guys, army intelligence guys, were embezzling money, using it for purposes not in the budget. Yeah. Fast cars, loose women, and drugs, you know, that Why kind of Why is it called shit. the yellow fruit skin? I, I don't know. Does it do with bananas? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And Stubbledean was associated with the yellow fruit scandal, mm-hmm. even though he was one of the guys who helped expose it. Like, he wasn't actually named in the scandal. Yeah. But because he was General Spoonbender and his name was in the same paragraphs as the old fruit scandal. Yeah. And this dude, Doug Pemberton, just fucking lost his goddamn mind. Stubbledean resigned. He had to go. Oh. He had to go. Okay. He had to go. He probably just hung out at the Monroe Institute afterwards. Yeah. Honestly. But yeah, he tendered his resignation and shit. Now, <laughs> he sounds fun. Goofy. Yeah. But fun. Hosting his spoon bending parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd go. Hell yeah. There was this other dude, Lynn Buchanan who is one of the major remote viewers this throughout the whole Fort Meade um, saga. And this dude had this thing where when he would get emotionally aggravated, electronics would shut down around him. And uh, one time, because someone changed some, he was a computer scientist, some dude changed code he had written Mm -hmm. that like bricked a machine. And he was like, I told you not to change anything. And dude was like, oh, I did change something. Like, dude, what the hell? He got super pissed because it was a really big fuck up. That wouldn't have been a fuck up if it had been his code. And all the computers in the room just fucking shut down. And then all the computers in the network shut down in like in the entire building and shit. Yeah. After a little while, they come back on. But like there's no cause found. But Lynn Buchanan knows that this shit happens sometimes. Yeah. And uh, Stubbledean actually hears about this. And he like goes there, goes to whatever Fort uh, Buchanan was stationed at. And he like has to meet with him. Buchanan's sure he's like getting in trouble or something. Something bad's happening. But he walks in and uh, Stubbledean goes, did you shut down my computers? And Lynn Buchanan goes, yes, I did. <laughs> and Albert Stubbledean goes, far fucking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he breaks him on. Wow. So I was thinking, like, why is it always like spoon bending and like silverware? I do not know. I'm thinking, does it have to do with the way that humans have an electrical output that we can maybe like interact with certain metals in a way better than we can with other objects. Like why, why is it specifically those things? It's uh, okay. Where else are you going to find a six inch light piece of metal? Yeah. Just regularly. Right. I, I guess it, it's, it's an interesting object of choice. They always to demonstrate say, telekinetic abilities because you could like move or do anything. Yeah. But it's the spending of the spoon and metal yeah. bends. Uh, it's a very it's it it's not just spoons. It's also not knives. Yeah. Forks. But that is where you're going to find a nice uh, handleable size right. piece of light metal and they have anywhere. To, they usually are holding it when they yeah. do it, too. It's yeah. not like it's just sitting there and they do it. Yeah. So that's also an interesting component, which makes me think that maybe like the act of holding it is necessary and there's something well, about like well that is the trick i i know yeah 
Like, I know the trick. I don't know about the spoon bending. Right. Some of these dudes really fucking believe in that shit. Like, like the real answer to your question is because that's the thing that's easiest to bend as an illusion. It. But like, I know that, but I want to know. No, I know. The I know. Other yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just because that metal is easy to bend. You can't bend wood. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't bend every metal either. It's just not that bendable. Right. Spoons are pretty bendable and it's readily available. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a lot of them, thanks to the Oneida company. Right. And I guess that's easier to do than like floating a light object up in the air with your mind or something. That shit, no one writes about that. No one can levitate shit with their yeah. mind. It's like I've never found a credible story of, right? of like so large if, scale if shit. If you like can that. bend something in your hand, then shouldn't you be able to I think it has to do with electricity. Do other stuff? I, that's exactly yeah. what I was saying. Is yeah. I think it has to do with the electrical current. I think it has to be metal because it has to it has to be something to do with electricity and heating it up. Yeah. And heating it up faster than faster and more intensely than just like your body heat it has to be electricity it's the only thing that okay you know yeah I, that's what i'm gonna guess that's that's what yeah. i was thinking yeah yeah yeah. well we can leave albert with his spoons mm-hmm. sitting alone in his house with surrounded by his spoons they're all oneida spoons yeah <laughs> they probably, probably are ingo swan's remote viewing classes were much much different than whatever nonsense nonsense summer camp was going on at the monroe institute Ingo was in his fucking element. He was like the Jedi master. Mm-hmm. Total control, writing the rules, assigning homework and essays about the lectures he gave. Like he t- took this wow. shit really, really seriously. Yeah. Okay, professor. Yeah. He didn't believe in negative reinforcement. So in practice sessions, when the psychics got stuff wrong, he just wouldn't say anything. Yeah. Which sounds way worse. Uh-huh. Ingo Swan just staring at you, not saying a damn thing, and you know you fucked up. Yeah. Ooh. That's effective. Yeah. And after, you know, he gave them positive reinforcement after weeks of training. And he also, Ingo was really aware of psychic burnout. And he knew that, like, people, when they nailed a remote viewing target or they nailed something, they wanted to keep going because they had that high, that mild LSD high. And they wanted to keep going. But he had a set amount of hours he would let them remote view and even if they felt great and wanted to keep going be like nope you're done for the day that's it like he he was very aware of the psychic burnout thing and by all accounts his classes seem pretty fucking sick and like pretty rad and there should be boundaries in place too mm -hmm, absolutely and after weeks of training like you know it started off with like every fucking harry potter movie like the beginning they're not great at it Mm -hmm. after some weeks of training they all got better. Oh, I'm imagining the musical montage. Oh, yeah. Highway to the. <laughs> no, that's not. That's yeah. that's not the theme for this. That's just what's going on in Ed Dames' head. Right. So what's our mo- what's the montage? Oh man, I mean, I mean, you you know, if it's not Danger Zone, we're still in the fucking '80s, so it's. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. This is such a good song. It kind of is. Like, it kind of fucking is. I know. I forget how good it is, but it actually really is. Scribbling on the page, yeah. you're just staring, staring blankly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
a head dame's laying in his bed. The clock is past midnight. His eyes are still open. The naked people in their cubicles. <laughs> Albert's double in a pile of spoons. <laughs> a kaleidoscope surrounding Bob Monroe's face. Yes. Energy <laughs> beings drift in and out of this. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now the goblins do a dance number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so after the Eye of the Tiger montage, they're a lot better, all of them. They learned how to draw ideograms that like that one line thing right at the start, like as soon as you hear the coordinate we talked about last week and, you know, correctly describe what was in the manila folder in Ingo's desk. You know, just to like, refresh uh the way it works is there's a manila folder inside is a photograph or a word or something and the remote viewers are just supposed to view what is in that folder they don't know what it is and then after the session they look in the folder and they get the target sometimes it can be confusing because it's like oh yeah of course they described it because that's what they were targeted with right it's like yeah i don't know it's a it's a confusing process Mm -hmm. but every one of them of Ingo's pupils came to believe deeply that what they were doing was real and really useful. And they all came to love Ingo Swan too and thought of them, thought of him as a fucking teacher. A nice. great teacher. Yeah, 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 yeah. And some of them believed a bit deeper than others, like at Dames. Although appearing outwards, like he was just one of the guys. Yeah, got it along great with everybody. Right. Just a, just a tiny one of the guys. Just a tiny guy. <laughs> Ed Dames knew, knew for super sure that he alone understood what they were doing, that he was Ingo's star pupil, his protege, oh. the end quote, caretaker of the technology. Okay. The Luke so, Skywalker to Ingo's master Yoda. Yeah. He's just appointed himself like the honorary successor yeah. protege. And only in his head. Yeah. It's not like he's like telling everybody else how great he is and shit. Yeah. This is from Jim Schnabel's interviewing him for this book, right? Like, You know, I love that for him. <laughs> And like, you know, Fringo was part of he liked Ed. Yeah. Yeah. He thought he was intelligent and highly motivated. But Ed wasn't supposed to be a remote viewer. He was just an analyst. Ingo considered a dude named Tom Nance to be his protege. Ah. <laughs> and Dave's just a guy. Now, Tom Nance was also pretty inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um, although Ingo and Tom Nance did view remote view pyramids on Mars together. I think I was uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Ed Dames was just a guy, and soon it seemed like that was all Ed Dames would ever be. Because, especially following the Monroe Institute shenanigans, many of the intelligence agencies wanted to distance themselves from the program. Like, everyone else thought it was getting really dumb. They were finding the gateway tapes that had been passed around. Yeah. Stubble Dean got resigned, got shit-cammed. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not... The, the signal-to-noise ratio, yeah, it's... The secret's it's out. Messy. It's getting messy. And the Fort Meade program was going to be axed in 1985. Jack Verona pulled some strings and managed. He's the super god in the sky, the, the bird man we don't really know much about. Oh, secretive. Yeah. Secretive as fuck. He managed to transfer the unit to work under the DIA. Um, so in 1985, Center Lane became Sunstreak. Just changing names all over. Yeah. Or otherwise known as DTS. Don't know. I forget what the fuck that stands for. Down to suck. Down to suck. Down to succubus with goblins. Yeah. 
I mean, and that's, you know, that's what I was saying at the beginning of the series. Like, there's just so many fucking acronyms. That's why I keep saying the remote viewing program, you know? Yeah. It's tough. Grill Flame. Grill Flame. <laughs> Sunstreak would be its second to last code name. Skip Atwater stayed on as the operations officer, and Ed Dames, along with two others, Fern Galvin and Gene Kincaid, were the assistant operators who each managed a group of remote viewers. And among the remote viewers, the only OG was a dude named Mel Riley, who had spent the years between 1981 and 1985 in Germany, and now was back being spooky at Fort Meade. So P left for a while, beginning mm-hmm. of the 80s, came back, doing it again. They stayed at Fort Meade, even though they're now under the DIA. Yeah. So it's like for all intents and purposes, they're still doing the same shit at the same place with a lot of the same guys. Yep. But things like maybe in the the metaphysical world or the platonic world of ideals or something, it was not like the old days. Yeah. The remote viewers weren't getting better. They were probably getting worse. (laughs) You know, realistically, like, they, they also weren't using the coordinates anymore. Uh, and if you asked Ingo Swan what he, what he thought about that. Getting lazy just, with it. He just shook his head. You know? Yeah. All about the coordinates, that guy. He loves the coordinates. So fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they had successes for sure. Like similar to all the other examples we've talked about. But that wasn't the problem. No one cared about their data anymore. That was the problem. Yeah. Joe McMonagall and Ken Bell had basically swapped places with Ingo Swan. They were retired from the army and they were working as civilian contractors, remote viewing for SRI, which is still going on, by the way. Like SRI is still a thing. Like, yep. I'll put off still there. And SRI had fared better, at least monetarily, than Fort Meade. In 1985, Hal put off and Jack Verona secured $10 million of funding to see SRI through to the end of the decade. By SRI, I mean the SRI parapsychology program. They got this funding from an organization tied to the Pentagon, which Jim Schnabel writes with palpable frustration. Quote, no one wants to identify. Don't know. Don't know where it came from. Okay. Uh, And afterwards, Hal put off growing increasingly tired of the internal politics at SRI, accepted an offer to go work for his friend Bill Church at Jupiter Technologies, researching zero point energy, which is energy plucked from the ether. Zero point energy. Zero point energy. Yeah. Widely believed to not be a thing. Mm-hmm. Some of that crazy ass future tech that could like. I've heard David Wilcock talk about. Oh, it's a thing. It's, pro- you know, stuff, it's yeah. some really smart and legitimate people have theorized about it. Uh, yeah. It's one of those things that is. Oh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting for sure. Um, but generally in the mainstream amongst the consensus is that it's nonsense. Yeah. That's what Hal Putoff went to go look at. He also, uh, Hal and his wife, Adrian, and a group of friends also refined a technique for using remote viewing to profit off roulette on their many trips to Vegas. Cool. Uh, yeah. He says that on most of these trips, the group made back the cost of their trip and then some. They had a whole system, whole cool. way yeah. to signal when to start and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Putoff and, and Adrian also became involved with founding a school, right? And... You know, like Russell Targ and Keith Rari had tried to do associative remote viewing to profit off the stock market, right? Putoff and Adrienne became involved with the founding of a school in Menlo Park, like a, a private school or whatever. And one of at the last minute, one of the key investors backed out and they were left with a $25,000 shortfall right before the school year started. We got to save the school, right? Yeah. So Hal says to the board, I got an idea. And he like... 
very quickly trains the suspicious board uh, board of the school and associate of remote viewing and YOLOs into the futures market. In a couple weeks, they made the 25000 they needed and the school was saved. Nice. I'll save the school with magic powers. I just like, the thing is like, I don't know. I, I really have a hard time believing that the board of a s- school in Menlo Park couldn't come up with 25 grand between them. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's not that much. Yeah. If you're on the board of something, but maybe, maybe I, I like to think how it's just like, hey, before we dip into our own pockets, like you want to see the shit we've been working on. Right. You know, <laughs> just like boot, boot camp some. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. School was saved. Skip Atwater left the program in 1987 mm-hmm. and moved where else? To a piece of property right next to the Monroe Institute. Ah, yes. Which is where Joe McMonagall moved. Skip Atwater would become the head of research at the Monroe Institute. He is now the CEO. Oh, cool. Yeah. Or chairman of the board. Or who, he's, the, he's the head of the Monroe, Monroe Institute now. Mm. Yeah. Joe McMonagall also moved to the Monroe Institute. He, lived, he, mar- he fucking married Bob Monroe's stepdaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Like these guys kind of just ended up at the Monroe Institute afterwards, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. It, it feels weird. There's like a sourness to it that I don't quite. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a suspicious guy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it seems, it has the feel of culty. Right. I don't think it is. Uh huh. I think it's just people that are working on the same things and understand each other. I also think like, it's their form of like going to yoga or meditating and stuff like that. The difference is that it burns you the fuck out. Yeah. But they also love doing it. Yeah. Like if you do too much yoga, your body will really hurt and you'll burn yourself out too. Yeah. But people really love to do it. Well, at the living near the Monroe Institute, Joe McMonagall had another near death experience. He had another fucking major heart attack. And like he realized that like how many people who had been involved in the remote viewing program had had like freak medical shit happen to him. Like a bunch of people died. I mean, we haven't mentioned a lot of names of just people that were involved. Yeah. You know, we've had a slim down cast of characters. There was a lot of fucking people and a lot of them like had heart attacks way too young, got cancer way too young, had strokes way too young. Mm. Yeah. There's like a ton of early death tied to remote viewers. It's fucking weird. Yeah. 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 So remarkably... Despite how long the Fort Meade project had been falling apart for, Jack Verona and Dale Graff managed to keep it afloat. Verona and Graff maintained a network of supportive intelligence officials in the Pentagon, CIA, DIA, and others. A network of sympathetic, an unofficial network of people sympathetic. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Spook shit. (laughs) God damn it, boys. Stop it. Stop being exactly who we know you are. Yeah. And this... Invisible Network would task Sunstreak as they saw fit and use the data as they saw fit. It was all low-cost, low-profile work, much of it experimental. And there's also a lot of anti-drug task force work, you know? Huh. This was the 80s, after all. Yeah. Busting coke smugglers and weed smugglers. and Yeah, not a good look, boys. <sighs> a dude named Fern Goffin was now the head of Sunstreak. And while he seemed like a good choice at first, um... Under his watch, the Fort Meade crew devolved into a nut house. Oh. Yeah. Good job, Fern. Yeah. Rhode Island boy. Another Rhode Island boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Schnabel writes, um, to hear some remote viewers tell it, the unit was slipping into paranormal chaos, a dark place infested by madness and mischievous sprites. 
as in one of those paintings by Hieronymus Bosch. Oh, when it was, God. Yeah. Or when it was over, as remote viewer Lynn Buchanan would say later, we didn't have any customers left. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. And I have another, I'm pull up this other bookmark here. Yeah. I, I, I read that. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? But that, I mean, that speaks to like, you know, they were doing this mystery school training, but without the mysticism. Yeah. Without the framework to understand what the fuck is happening to you. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's no con- no symbolic context. No, it's just, just the activity, which is a very yeah. military way of doing it. Jesus Christ, guys. Which is why probably like Kit Green is so freaked out. Yeah. You know, he goes into this other realm. Oh shit, it's full of monsters. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. So, like has no- I don't know how to deal with that. Doesn't know how to contextualize that experience or what, the, what were those things? Where'd they come from? Yeah. What could that be? Um, you know, and Fern Govin many years later would reject suggestions that he had spent too much time out there in the matrix, which is what they called the space. Yeah. Yeah. Or that he had flown too high in the paranormal sky. But in discussing the potential dangers of remote viewing, he conveyed a worldview very different from that of the average DIA branch chief. This is what Fern Govin wrote. The biggest concern is, will I be invaded by evil spirits? Maybe, but I can protect myself. Some other people call it, okay, cover yourself with the white light and so on. All that is good intention. And if I have good intention, I don't care if you, a seductive evil spirit, are a whore on 14th Street. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with you. Then you don't stand a chance. I don't care what the price. It's because I don't want to. I think that goes a long way in this line of work. I've seen intrusions, temporary intrusions, but you know, nothing that could affect anybody or anything if they didn't want to be bothered. That's speaking broadly. It was never a huge problem. I like that. Yeah, but that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is fucking bullshit. Wow, these guys go nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, he just had this fucking new agey, anything goes attitude. It's all groovy. It's just intention. Like, nah, man, not if you don't know the symbols you're, you're working with. Yeah. Not if you don't know the mechanics or, of your. And not if you don't have the strength mm-hmm. to f- enforce, uh, your boundaries with these entities and say, get away from me. I'm not interested in engaging with this. Yeah. And now Fern Govin was also. He didn't care about any sort of defined protocol anymore. Yeah. Whatever you wanted to do, however you wanted to do it, that's groovy. No more coordinates. Like you don't got to stick to Ingo's methods, which like Skip Atwater had been, had had a pluralistic streak. He was interested in all the different methods, but he kept it confined to what they had decided to keep it confined to. Right. Well, that makes data gathering a lot more simple. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes, it makes being able to talk with your peers about what you've experienced easier too, if you're all doing the same thing. Yeah. If you're all working within the same framework, then you can discuss your results in a, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A more cohesive way. It kind of, like, it seems like Fern Govin was either reading like some of, some of the new chaos magic literature or reading some of, you know, the, the new age literature or whatever. And well then start a club outside of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was. He said he was concerned with the results and not the methods. Okay. But uh, results of what? Right. Yeah. Like. Like if it's all different stuff, then you're. It's not really. You know. Yeah. I mean, so, it's a result, but it, what does it indicate? This leads us to the witches. Oh. Yes. Oh boy. Two of. Them. Oh boy. Uh, there are two women who are part of the part of the unit. Very different people. 
maybe kind of finally some ladies i know there's been there has been a couple but they're only brief appearances i mean you gotta remember we have some wives we've had a couple of female remote viewers but like only one or two last episode we talked about the cia analyst yeah you gotta remember what time period we're doing like even in the fucking 80s and shit like yeah it's a boys club it's a boys club yeah courtney brown raven harrod 40 something channeler was one of the witches one of the women dubbed the witches she didn't remote view. She channeled three different entities, Maurice, George, and Dr. Einstein. Something that said its name was Dr. Einstein. Wow. But it didn't say its name was Dr. Einstein. These weren't vocal entities. Yeah. They came through by automatic writing, and they each had their own distinctive style of handwriting that they could tell who was talking. And this came to be known in official documents as written remote viewing, or WRV. Huh. Not Courtney channeling Maurice. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. If you're reading the documents, it's written remote viewing. It's this if, bitch channeling some dude named George. Dr. Maurice. Yeah. So it's it's not a, I mean, it's a lady channeler, but she's just channeling three dudes. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know what the hell they are. Yeah. What, we don't know what Dr. Einstein. He but, could be a dog for all we know. I bet he was. Talking dog. Yeah. Courtney and her posse of ghosts was actually one of the program's best and most reliable psychics. Yes. Yeah. We love to hear it. In one case, the U.S. Customs Service asked Sunstreak to find a former customs officer named Charles Jordan who went rogue and was wanted for various crimes. All the coordinate remote viewers saw him in the Caribbean or South Florida or Central America, somewhere tropical, hot, you know, and they thought they were zeroing in on him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Courtney's, Courtney's spirits found him in northern Wyoming near the town of Lovell, and not far from an Indian burial ground. Now, the customs people said, Jesus Christ, everyone's saying different shit, whatever, fuck this, we're out. We'll go use a satellite or something. Or a yeah. But not long after, Jordan, uh, Charles Jordan was picked up by Yellowstone Park Rangers a couple dozen miles from Lovell, Wyoming. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, under go, interrogation, Courtney. he said that he had been in Lovell at the time Courtney went searching for him. Ed Dames and the others... Hated this shit. <laughs> Hated it. They started referring to Courtney's entities as of the Three Stooges. Yes. I couldn't believe that they, the Jedi Knights. Well, one of the Jedi Knights was a woman too. Mm-hmm. Remember, that pissed off Ed also. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Jedi Knights who had studied the most refined and modern remote viewing technologies under the master Ingo Swan could be supplanted by some witch woman in her archaic, nay, superstitious practices. Yeah. Here's... Here's Ed Dames in the early 90s talking about all this. Having to work with tarot card readers and challenge, uh, the witches, as we called them, most of the, the individuals were female. This was, uh, uh, this was too, mu- too much to bear for a professional military officers. The witches were holding personal uh, sessions, that is, readings, if you would, a la the Madame X readings that you would find in the streets of any city for uh, public officials, congressmen, uh, uh, Jack Verona himself, who was the head of our program. Well, it's like um, it's like they're trained like orchestra musicians that have been like working at it their yeah. whole lives and like going for lessons and like going everything like by the book. And then like here comes this little self-trained woman on her little xylophone just ding, yeah. ding, ding. And everybody's like, oh, my God, she's brilliant. So it's like same result. Or Jimi Hendrix on electric guitar. Yeah. Not, these women are not Jimi Hendrix. No. 
you know, I can see like why they feel the way they do these guys. Cause sure. you know, yeah, it's, yeah, they're confused why these methods that seem so simple and so easy to them yeah. are getting results. And it's like, wait a second, that can't be true. Right. Cause we had to do all that complicated right. stuff. To but you didn't have to do all that complicated. Right. Stuff. It was just a way to standardize. One of the ways to get yeah. there. One of the many paths. It was a great there. way to standardize it, but tons of other ways you can do it. And I bet like those guys, if you had just had them channel entities and give them a pack of tarot cards, they might not have been able to do what they did because right. the other methods just worked better for them. Totally. Now, there's another reason to be sympathetic towards Ed Dames and the others. It does seem like Courtney was incredibly, incredibly wrong at times. Like when she insisted a captured officer was still alive and being held in an underground bunker under a wheat field, he was later found to have been tortured to death in a house in South Lebanon. Hmm. You know, but she like insisted, insisted, and like the data didn't get used because there was this huge discrepancy again. Yeah. Uh, and like all the other, the coordinate reviewers were reporting a house in South Lebanon, right? Also, she seemed to cold read her customers, Courtney. Hmm. Pulling out information on the targets through clever questions. The that through her, through her feminine wiles, you know, people who weren't supposed to answer those questions would. Uh, eventually, the coordinate remote viewers accused her of having a mesmerizing influence over the program's managers. <laughs> what Dames was referring to in the- She was hot. Yeah. Um, they'd never accused her of sleeping with anyone in the program. Mm -hmm. They did refer to it as psychic blowjobs, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was using the, the power of mesmerization. Well- Fern Galvin was getting private psychic readings from Courtney and was becoming emotionally dependent on her. Yeah. And Galvin eventually confided to Mel Riley that, yeah, he had been getting private readings from Courtney. Yeah. It's so oh, um, that's just as bad as sleeping with her. And even Jack Verona, super God in the sky, Jack Verona was driving up from DIA headquarters pretty regularly to get readings from Courtney. Mm. This feels like a conflict of interest. Sure does. The other witch was named Robin Dahlgren. Late 20s, attractive, but a chain smoker with a cackling laugh who sometimes wore a shirt to work, sometimes meaning regularly, that said 90% bitch, 10% angel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she also, Queen. She had also declined to uh, take the personality test component of her psi evaluation. Wouldn't do it. Okay. Still got in. Yeah, she's Robin's the, like, I don't have a personality. She, she's 90% bitch, 10% angel. Yeah, that is her personality. <laughs> she was the one who worked with tarot cards, and she began, started to practice channeling, but problem was she sucked at all of it. Oh. She had zero ability whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. A statistical evaluation was done on the psychics, uh, like one session, and Robin Dahlgren was found to be the only one without significant correlation to the target. I bet she only got it right 10% of the time. That was she, a 10% angel. Yeah. What she did have going for her. I mean, she was banging the senior aide to Senate Majority Leader Robert Byrd. Ah. A dude named Dick Diamato. Which is funny. Yes. <laughs> so senators don't handle all their all their shit themselves, right? Uh-huh. That's what aides are for. Like all the things that the senators are supposed to be in control of, they're not actually controlled. They have aides. That's what aides do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dick Diamato had a bunch of security clearances and oversaw intelligence and black projects appropriations. One time, a skeptical CIA scientist was trying to kill the remote viewing program and was told that the reason it was even still going on was because Dick Diamato kept inserting it into the budget 
And whereas DIA chief Harry Soyster didn't even want the damn thing, they couldn't risk pissing off the Senate majority leader and not getting the funding for the shit he did want it, you know, Soyster yeah. did want to do, right? Makes me question how much of Jack Verona's spookiness was actually responsible for this and how much right. it was just like politics. Dahlgren and Diamato's relationship was totally common knowledge. And everyone also knew that it was keeping the program afloat. Mm-hmm. But... It also seemed like Robin Dahlgren couldn't be fired, also couldn't be ordered or instructed like any of the other remote viewers. She was kind of just fucking there. Yeah. They feared that crossing her would result in Dick Diamato firing people as revenge because Dick Diamato was now micromanaging the program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and micromanaging wouldn't really matter that much because they weren't really getting any work. Right. And as they say, idle hands are the devil's tools. Something like that. Yeah. So Ed Dames got bored and started picking his own unconventional targets. Now, all right, look, they've been remote viewing UFOs this whole time. We yeah. haven't mentioned it yet, but they've that's been a part of this. I mean, the whole time, since 1973. See, many times against many targets, remote viewers would see strange disc-shaped, disc-shaped objects in the sky mm. on the astral plane, shadowing the submarine they were viewing or accidentally ending up and a UFO looking at these small, big-eyed, gray-green humanoids on a ship going, what are you doing in our ship? Uh. Right? And so very early on, when multiple people started reporting this, they started targeting UFOs intentionally. Pat Price was tasked for looking for UFOs and went looking for them on his own for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Joe McMonagle was driven to the Pentagon once, brought to a secret secure room to view a target, saw a flying saucer. And the photos he saw after the session showed just that. A strange object that zigzagged impossibly in front of the camera. The Pentagon had already declared it a weather balloon. Mm-hmm. Of course. Once Mel Riley was tasked with viewing a target and he sketched a flying saucer. Then he was shown the feedback photograph, which showed a black and white reconnaissance photo over a stretch of land with a UFO hovering over a large lake between the plane and the ground, which sounds an awful lot like the National Geographic photo that just got released a couple weeks ago. Ah. Yeah. It sounds exactly like it. The wow. position in... The position of the lake in the photo, mm-hmm. the feet that I was flying from, it's that photo. Wow. Yeah. Ingo Swan did not like viewing UFOs. Hmm. Because they could get you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a good reason. Which makes it seem that whatever hyperspatial realm remote viewing happens in is where UFOs live. It's the hyperspace, the connective tunnels, the underground. Uh-huh. Right? And that's not the physical underground. It's the consciousness underground. That's a thought. Hmm. But he did tell a few close friends that he had once been paid cash by some guys he didn't know to view a set of lunar coordinates, coordinates on the far side of the moon. Oh, boy. Which showed him. Oh, boy. Unnatural, but not man-made structures. Oh. Obelisks and shit. Okay. Yeah. Ingable also claimed that there were a ton of extraterrestrial biohuman androids running around Earth. I believe that. And they don't know the biohuman androids. They don't know that they're extraterrestrials yeah some of them do the only thing they know is that their one mission is to eliminate psychics wow yeah you believe that i don't know i don't know about all that i yeah i don't know i'll take it (laughs) cool (laughs) i'll put Um, that one in my pocket ingo also says that he was once flown out to alaska by some dude who shows up in a lot of stories or only known as mr axelrod Mm -hmm. a lot of the you know UFO end quote disclosure people these days, like the two, the stars guys and shit. They mention an axle rod. He's a guy that shows up. Don't know his name. 
don't know who or what he is. Well, he's Axelrod just, sounds fucking cool, so let's go with that. Yeah, he's just Axelrod. So <laughs> Axelrod flies Ingo out to Alaska. Oh, boy. So we, we went to the far side of the moon. Now we're going to Alaska. Yeah. I remember Pat Price had always said that UFOs were- That there's no were, Nazis yet. No, there's no Nazis anywhere no, in this Not at all. Yeah. It's not even a German last name. Right. Except Dahlgren. Son usually, of a bitch. Usually I feel like if you're remote viewing like the far side, I'm so glad that there isn't. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if there was, then that's when my bullshit meter would go right, off. exactly. It's like Nazi moon bases and stuff. I'm like, oh, thank God. Well, keep your bullshit meter kind of close at hand for this. Time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he's brought out to this location in Alaska, this lake, uh, and shown a triangular UFO rising out of out of this lake, which it apparently did at the same time every day, like clockwork. So Ingo sees this thing come out and it's sucking up water and shooting out these beams of light in odd directions. So yeah, Axelrod tells Ingo that the UFO was eliminating wildlife, just killing animals, disintegrating them. That's what the beam of light was. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Um, then the folks who had flown him out asked, asked Ingo to, if he could then remote view it and tell them what it was. Ingo got pissed, said that's not how remote viewing works. Now that he's seen the damn thing, he'd be unable to give objective analysis. Uh-huh. I think that's not just not how this works. Apparently, then the damn UFO took notice of them, tried attacking them with the fucking disintegration beams, and Ingo escaped with only minor injuries. And after that, he was all done with UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. I would be too. Yeah. Like, what the... F- I don't know about it. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's a lot <laughs> it's of ridiculous It's patently shit. ridiculous. Um, but that's just a few stories. There's a lot more. And Ed Dames would generate a bunch more UFO stories, too. Ed Dames believed the alien menace was hiding under our oceans, under our mountains, under our deserts, in our atmosphere. That checks out, too. Sometimes he used famous close encounters and sightings as targets, but he often had the target in the manila envelope. It was just open search. So in the manila envelope is just a piece of paper that says open search. Mm. Remote viewer does not see that piece of paper. They just hold the envelope, can't see through it, don't know what their target is. They go to remote view, but it's open search. Yeah. And Dames believed that this was the best way to let his remote viewers psychic powers loose and free to search out enigmas completely unbound. He was proud that he was known as a maverick. Mm-hmm. The bad boy of the psychic spy program didn't play by your rules. Realistically, realistically, Dame's reputation was that of a shitty analyst, a shitty monitor who was too involved in his remote viewer sessions, often subconsciously pushing them to see what he expected them to see. Yeah. One day, the branch chief gave Dame's the target possible event. Dame sees this. And he sets his remote viewers against it. All the reviewers reported something remarkably consistent. Mm. Some type of large aerial vehicle with a large payload of what looked like boxes of some type. Strong impressions of the colors red and white. The pilot was obese. The vehicle seemed open-topped with sled-like runners underneath. It was going to cross the northern U.S. border a few weeks in the future, coming from the Arctic Circle. There was some very strange data. Dames attributed it to analytical overlay, associations with livestock, enigmatic objects out in front. To Ed Dames, the situation was clear. Some type of terrorist attack was imminent. An ultralight plane or a modified helicopter loaded with an atomic bomb or bombs mm. and designed to fly under U.S. and Canada radar and attack sometime at night. So he's getting all this. He's figuring out. He decides it's time to act. He tells Mel Riley that he's running to another building to get on a secure line to his contacts in the intelligence community to warn them of the impending atomic terrorist attack. <laughs> Meanwhile, Branch Chief Zanakis, the Branch Chief is uh, 
watching on closed circuit TV and laughing his fucking ass off. <laughs> See, the remote viewers knew the target the entire time. It was Santa Claus. Oh my God. Mel Riley set the whole thing up as a prank. A revenge for all of Dave's bullshit. That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Ed laughed it off. He thought it was funny. You know, that this is kind of the moment that he, like, it was all good natured. And yeah, Ed laughed just like everyone else. And uh, this was kind of the point that he was like, this program's falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> but when Ed retired in like 1989, they threw him a party, gave him a plaque and shit. I think he's a goober. Maybe everyone else didn't. I don't know. I'm being hard on this guy, but I it's think funny. that Santa's a terrorist. Yeah. He's at least a home invader. <laughs> <laughs> By the late 80s, for all of uh, Jack Verona and Dale Graff spooking, the writing was on the wall. And in the wake of the Oliver North bullshit and other scandals, and with 30 odd billion dollars being cut from the budget, the remote viewing program at Fort Meade was on the chopping block. A study had been done of the program by a dude named Hyman who didn't have security clearances and hence only saw old Soviet remote viewing data, parapsychological mm -hmm. data, and old research published in parapsychology journals, not like not the most respected journals because of all the structural problems. The guy who was making this report about it didn't have the clearances to see the real shit. Mm -hmm. So he didn't. So he based his conclusions on nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Study concluded it wasn't worthwhile. Jack Verona, Mel Riley, Ingo Swan, and Ed Dames retired in the late 80s. Dale Graff, too. And for the last couple of years, when the Fort Meade program was funded, there was only four remote viewers who rarely, if ever, got any tasking. Oh, pathetic. Yeah, that's kind of how it died. Ed Just Dames... Slow fizzle out. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. <laughs> There's a whole side of shit we have known nothing about. Uh. <laughs> Ed Dame started his own company out in the desert, SciTech. He was basically just like looking for aliens and making absurd predictions. He predicted with all sincerity that Bill Clinton would announce aliens' existence in August 1993. He didn't. He just kept doing shit like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> doing the speaking tours, predicting nonsense. Yep. He has a YouTube channel now. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's called The Final Countdown with Major Ed Dames. <laughs> this. Yeah. You want to hear some of it? I do. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Yep. He does um like one couple minute long episode every like four months. Uh-huh. Just his, his quarterly gift to the world. This is episode 15 titled in all caps. I warned you to prepare. You only have eight minutes. Oh, fuck. What the hell? Look at that. <laughs> 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 well, it seems our star has woken up from its long sleep. Oh, God. Cycle 25 is ramping up, full uh, cycle 25 ramping up in intensity to the beginning tune of uh, M class flare from a little. This is like watching the weirdest morning traffic report ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Sunspot on the backside of the sun. It would have been a very large X-class flare if it had been Earth-facing or near Earth-facing too. In fact, we have a couple of uh, big spots, big uh, sunspots, Earth-facing right now. And anything they produce, a C-class flare, M-class flare, will certainly be geo-effective. That little sp sunspot that produced that big solar flare uh, is now approaching 
the solar center, the center of the sun. Now, so if you guys if it produces another X-class flare, that will certainly be geo-effective. Uh, Ed Dames is sitting in a, 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 a studio set in his house. Yeah, it's got like an an ammo half an ammo box on the left side of the screen, a burlap sack of fucking military rice, and um, you know that like that that ghillie suit webbing or whatever the fuck behind him. Also, he's uh he's very stylish with his black graphic tee and blazer combo. Yeah, yeah, and his fucking weird bowl cut brushed yes. so slightly to the side. Yeah. Yeah. And the eight, I warned you to prepare. You only have eight minutes. It's, it's, it's just that's the distance. Like, to the sir, you're talking for four of it, so that only leaves me. Honestly, like <laughs> yeah. No, he's got all sorts of other shit too. Um, he's got uh, you know. Ooh, this was four months ago. Alert! We are in a soft civil war. Oh no! Mm. Oh God! Jesus! Uh oh! Danger! Coercion! Vaccine tactics! May like, oh no! Course, God damn it! Critical. Soon. Oh, major dames leaks highly classified UFO research. <laughs> yeah. uh, the acme of my uh, career will be contact when it happens. And uh, I believe I know how to make that happen. But in the interim, there's been a lot of field work on the part of myself and my team uh, out in the field, facilitating close encounters of the second kind, uh, but not the third. Uh, I've had all the, the famous UFO scientists with me as a team chief with me in the field. Jacques Vallée, uh, Hal Kudoff, all, all those guys I've taken to the field to places where technical remote viewing has said, go thee here for contact. But our contact has not been a CE3. And now we understand the reason for that over the years. For instance, the, the Tic Tac series, the recent Tic Tac UFOs. I use remote viewing skill sets to track back the origin of those particular things in the sky that fighter pilots were recording on their gun scopes. Oh boy. Their gun cameras, too. We tracked them back to the Pacao Seamount in the Pacific. They were flying, I use that term loosely, in and out of not only the water, but the seamount itself, about oh, 6,500 feet below water, in and out of the seamount. When they stopped inside the seamount, their geometries completely changed. They were now solid objects. The seamount? The sea, I see. The entities that are there what do you got? were very difficult to perceive. They're interdimensional. They're coming in and out of our dimension, through the seamount. When they stop, they're the physical objects. But the entities around them are very difficult to pick up. They're entities that have been on this planet for I don't know how long, possibly forever. They're Wait. not oh. extraterrestrial. There are certainly extraterrestrial observers on this. Something really interesting is going on in this video. Yeah. Do you know what do you what do you think I'm referring to? The fact that he's saying the same exact story that all the other ex-intelligence guys who are yeah, part of the yeah. disclosure thing are also saying. He's mm -hmm. given the crazy guy version of it. Yeah. Right? But it's the same story. It you is. Clever fuckers. Oh. Is he... Is Ed Dames crazy kooky Ed Dames or is he just another goddamn spook I don't know anymore? I think he's crazy, but the clock is right like twice a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. He also does know these guys. Even yeah, he does know. A little know wonky. 
you really got to see the set he's working right. with to understand I, how crazy this dude is. Yeah. And I do feel like uh, he sees this stuff when he remote views it yeah. and he fully believes it. And this, I hate to say it, but this video does make sense to me. Like this, uh, the idea of a UFO being an interdimensional thing that can come in and out of the sea. What is a sea mouth? I mean, the other thing is like, but coming out of the ocean, just talked to those guys and got the story, right? Because it's also the story they're telling the public. Yeah, you know, I don't. So I don't know. I want to believe that Ed Dames believes in himself. Yeah, you know, he's he's real kooky. Yeah. I kind of love him. I've fallen in love with him a little bit. Yeah. He <laughs> believes in himself so much. Yeah. We can't watch any. We don't have time for any more Ed Dames. Alrighty. But you can go watch the final countdown with Major Ed Dames. <sighs> I refuse to believe that he was the team lead out there. You know. So, yeah. Ingo Swan retired in 1988 and did what basically everyone else did. He did the speaking circuit. Host hmm. remote viewing workshops and write some books. It's what everyone did. It's what everyone yeah. does. That's the end of all of these guys' story. You're that they go live at uh, the the Monroe Institute. Yeah, Mel Riley becomes a fisherman. There's I'm not gonna get into it. There's yeah, it's, it's what all these guys do, um, except a few. But that's another episode. Ingo Swan passed away in 2013 at the age of 79. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just died pretty old age. Yep. Yeah. Well, one thing. Okay, right around this time where everyone's retiring. The program gets one last name change. Oh, boy. This is when it becomes Stargate. I fucked this up. I thought the Stargate was the CIA name for it. Yeah. No. Stargate was just the last name. The very last name. When there was only four remote viewers left doing nothing. <laughs> and all the primary players had left. Perfect. That's when it becomes Project Stargate. Yes. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. He gets the coolest name last. Yeah. Now... In the epilogue to Schnabel's Remote Viewers, Jim Schnabel says he actually, in researching this book, he did some remote viewing sessions with both Ingo Swan and Ed Dames. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And in both, he was also successful. But one was a lot weirder than the others. Than the other. Mm. Ingo Swan's, he trained him. The same protocol, the same way. Jim Schnabel actually did pretty good. He talked yeah. with Ingo, and Ingo was very sweet and showed him his paintings and stuff. You know, Aww. yeah. <laughs> um, now, Schnabel describes Ed Dames as uh, super intelligent and super friendly. Just damn crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but not only did Ed Dames have uh, Jim Schnabel looking for and finding some type of high speed vehicle on Mars. There was another strange session. Schnabel says in this remote viewing session, he perceives grayness, whiteness, wetness and madness oh things seem to rush past him always just out of reach and somewhere deep in the session schnabel says he heard laughter Ooh. he opens the manila envelope the target that ed dames had picked you saw on this piece of paper after all this was written as ed dames deep mind uh, ed dames subconscious wetness madness yeah and laughter deep in the darkness. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> um, and whoa. Dames la sorry, laughing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he told Schnabel that he had set other remote viewers against his own deep subconscious. This is a thing he did, and that they also reported hearing laughter. Nice. Yeah. Schnabel uh, asked Mel Riley about this, and Riley said he heard it too. He said, unquote, 
It reminded me of a bunch of little gremlins in the background. And Schnabel asked what Riley thought of this, and Riley said, nothing. It's all part of remote viewing. You've got to maintain a sense of humor. If you don't, you'll go crazy. Why? Why? Why did there have to be goblins at the center of Ed James's mind? <laughs> yeah. How fucked up is that story? Uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. And in 95, Dick D'Amato, Ken Crest wanted to move the program back to CIA. CIA wanted another study done. So they hired the American Institute of Research, had them look at a bunch of remote viewing operations between 1993 and 1994. Mm-hmm. That's what they were evaluating, 93 and 94. And there was only four remote viewers getting no work. Yeah. The study concluded it wasn't worth a damn. And that's the study that made it to Nightline and the Washington Post, all the major news outlets, how it got into the public consciousness. Yeah. That the CIA looked at remote viewing once. Didn't do nothing. Despite all the spooky boys coming out of the woodwork to defend it, Verona, McMonagall, Graff, Putoff, all of them coming out of the woodwork to defend it, seems CIA didn't want to acknowledge any of its successes. And the Post finished their coverage with a story by its science staff suggesting that remote viewing was bogus, a mixture of fraud and deception. Meanwhile, a dude named Edwin May was still running the parapsychology research at SAIC. Dude who takes over for Hal Putoff at SRI, Edwin May. He runs that motherfucker up until SRI runs out of funding. Uh-huh. SRI, this is now the early 90s, right when... Private military contractors are becoming a big fucking thing. Yeah. SAIC. Where have we heard of them before? Uh, Camellio. Yes. Invisible yes. Spies. Yes. Now, SAIC itself, weird fucking company. Even weirder than any of the other uh, spooky military contractors. Honestly, Lockheed Martin's probably spookier. Mm-hmm. SAIC is just weirder. It's the way it's structured, the dude who started it. It's fucking weird. Yeah. It's not like anything else. And while at SAIC, running the parapsychology department at SAIC, well, that's when the CIA just decided to not renew the contract, not do anything. Mm. Doesn't mean they killed Edwin May. No. Doesn't mean they dismantled the parapsychology department at SAIC, one of the most secretive companies in the fucking world, perhaps the most secretive company in the fucking world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, also, Hal Putoff, Kit Green. Some of the other bird boys, uh, they ended up at NIDS and were on the board during the Skinwalker Ranch period when Bob Bigelow NIDS owned Skinwalker. Yeah. National Institute of Discovery Science. Oh. Bob Bigelow's research group. Billionaire Bob Bigelow. NIDS. Okay. They were the guys that owned Skinwalker Ranch during the 90s and did that whole fucking thing. Hunt for the Skinwalker. That's about that period. Yeah. Put off and Kit Green were on that fucking board. Huh. Doesn't surprise me. Um, also put off a couple of the other guys. They're on the board of Two of the Stars. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that does kind of yeah. surprise me. And I didn't know this little tidbit when we started. Mm-hmm. Just found this out. I didn't check it. I've heard it a couple places. But apparently, before he was at SRI, how put off worked for NSA. Huh. He's been spooky his whole life. Yeah. Spooky boy. So the Nine of Cups. Yes. That is... Uh, I believe Jupiter and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Dreams, manifestation. Yeah. Illusion sometimes, but a good one. 
it's the sphere of Yasod in Bria, which is it's 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 that. Yeah, well, too late to get too sexual with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's right before the money shot. You know, it's that it's the the conjuration, the the emotionally attached dream that the, the be careful what you wish for, you might just get it. Yeah, type thing. The most positive card in the deck, according to some. Oh, but lots of people will tell you that. I tend to agree, hmm. but every card has a negative side too. Yeah, I think like with the Paris Catacombs dimensional breach episode. Yeah, I think we're looking at kind of the negative side of that card with this. Mm-hmm. And I might just be thinking of Ed Dames, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> and Albert Stubbledean and all these fucking guys who just kind of like at this point in this last half of the remote viewing program, I think what we're seeing is the real remote viewing program go somewhere else. Right. And the guys who are left there are the ones who think they're Jedi masters, but, but they're not. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Joe McMonagle's a and Mel Riley are both like freelance agents mm-hmm. or Ken Bell rather. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of think the nine of cups speaks to the delusion of the last. Well, I mean, think of it. The last time nine of cups showed up yeah. was dimensional breach. Yeah. And we've had an update since then. We have. And we learned that uh, our inclination seemed Seem to be correct. Seem to be correct. If, if the update is accurate, yeah, and it's the real person, then yeah, they were just suffering from some hardcore delusions and yeah, were yeah, going yeah. through some shit. They're having, having a bad time. Yeah, yeah, they're having a bad. And time. they were goaded along by some Piece motherfuckers on, on Discord. Discord. Yeah, 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 who were purposely. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it was a hoax. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? I was browsing uh, the 4chan X board the other day, which is somewhere where Snapped Fingers said that they had met some of these people, mm-hmm. and I found plenty of posts talking about how you have to remove demonic astral parasites by drinking turpentine, yeah, and yeah, turpentine yeah. was also part of that. So that when we pulled that, that person was to come to some pretty harsh delusions. Yes. Yeah. 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 I can definitely see the Nine of Cups as the card that is about not just your dreams manifest, but like... Sometimes your nightmares manifest. Some really solid delusions. Yeah. Not just the whirlwind of confusion and dreamlike reality that like the Seven of Cups would represent. Right. But like, oh no, you've gone crazy, sir. Right. Uh, and I think like in the context of the re- the other cards we pulled for this, like with Four of Discs, which I mistakenly described as the Four of Swords in the first episode, which I have to admit to because someone noticed. Yeah. I need to get them back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then we had the Tower and then we had the Nine of Cups. And to me, those three are like Four of Discs, the castle with the moat around it. Yeah. That's the CIA. That's their like, oh shit, we're looking at this paranormal bullshit. Mm-hmm. There's something here. We don't know what's here. There's something here. We should keep this to ourselves. They don't keep it to themselves. It gets out. The army, army intelligence gets involved. And then the whole initial core idea kind of gets a little fucked up. Yeah. As it will. And, that's and it starts tower. to fragment out. And that's the tower. Yeah. And then the like, Nine of Cups is the people that came in after the first wave. Yeah. In the back. They came in in the back half. Probably had a little bit of talent. Probably had some talent. Mm-hmm. But what they were doing, they thought was the continuation 
of the first right. bit of research. But well, it's it like the, the tower got burned down and then got reconstructed with some of the pieces of the past tower. Yeah. Except it's it's a poor reconstruction. Meanwhile, the people that made the first tower have crossed the ocean and they made a dome this time. I don't know. It's not a tower. Yeah. It's something else. It's a different <laughs> so, type of structure. Something more fortified. Something yeah. that's not crumbling. Yeah. And it also speaks- They went fucking underground. It's also like the name Stargate came at the end. Yeah, the best name of the book. The best name, the most mythic name, mm-hmm. right? The one most, that's attached to it, the one right. that got a TV show. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're connected. Same name. Yeah, they might be connected. They're going to be connected we'll, in people's brains just because they have the same name, we'll, even if they have nothing to do with each other. We'll talk about Andrea Puhark in, in the future. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that I I want the Nine of Cups to show up again as like a positive card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it will. I know. I'm sure it will. I know. Uh, so this is the end of the Stargate story, the remote viewer story. But man, or I am, is it? I am not done with these guys. Yeah, no. Because this shit is. There are so many threads right there. Like, yeah. It's fucking weird. It's really. Uh, it's the end of the series, but it's not the end. Yeah, that's not. It's not the end. This world is fun as fuck. It is. Um, but I'm going to wring it dry. Uh, and drip all the fun into your mouth. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, sweet, delicious fun. Super fucking gross. Mm. Yeah, I've been looking at, like, Andrea Puharik and that whole shit. Mm. And, like, there's a lot of weird shit with this whole whatever this is. I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. Fucking strange. That's what I'll be talking about for the next while, I think. Right. Uh, and I have a surprise for you guys next week. Yeah? You'll never see it coming. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. This is going to be sick. Yes. Well, thank you guys for listening. What? Try try some psychic shit on your own. Tell us how yeah. it goes. You can... All these dudes wrote books, too. All Everybody can do this. Probably. like Everybody's you, psychic. Whatever your favorite psychic spy is, you can go buy their book. doesn't matter who it is. They all fucking wrote one or another. Mm-hmm. Um, try it give it a shot find out for yourself if it's nonsense i don't know i don't know what the hell's going on here yeah if you like what we do give us a ring review we really appreciate it and uh thank you all for the kind words and the support you've given us it uh it's awesome no really yeah, thank you real. thank you thank you from the bottom of my cold little black heart it's quite gratifying yeah you're all fucking rad and we love you take care take care peace out <laughs>